Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of Stuck in the Attic. I have a wonderful guest today who's a very good friend of mine. Say hi, Tiff. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Um, Tiffany, like I, um, believe in the, uh, the three aspects of recovery with a huge emphasis on the physical um, part where you work out, um, from what I can tell, a lot. And you get um, those endorphins going and a lot of stress relief, especially in these times Absolutely. where we have this friggin' coronavirus uh, going around and you don't know when it's going to end. So it's, a, it's very helpful for me anyway to get that, that exercise in. And um, let's start off w- with what you do, you know, how, how your life has changed from when you started to when you finally, you know, said enough's enough, hit that recovery you know, button and, and change your life. What was it like growing up? What was your... Um, I grew up in a, in a very, actually very happy house. Um, no childhood trauma, you know. I have a twin sister and a younger brother. Parents together 45 years when my, my dad passed. Um, very much in love, you know, great. Um, representation of what a marriage should be like and how two people should be together. Mm-hmm. Um, and But growing up, I did always have like you know you look back now once you get sober and you realize things right like so I did always not feel like I fit in you know um but I tried my best you know I didn't have a ton of friends growing up um especially in high school I was uh, overweight and I was picked on a lot and um I didn't have a lot of close friends in high school but you know I just got got through day by day you know I didn't really start drinking until I was older um I got uh Basically, I met my first husband. When so I was you went through high school sober. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't That's drink rough. or anything. No, I, I, it is rough. I, I can ma- I can never <laughs> imagine doing that. Oh boy. Uh, completely sober, um, not fit in, picked on every day, bullied. That's what they would call it now. Yeah. Super grateful that social media didn't exist when I was in high school because mm-hmm. it would have been a lot worse. Um, you know, that kind of stuff does scar you a little bit, you know. These kids these days, are, they're off themselves. Oh, terrible. My, t- my, my poor kids, I mean, they went through it a little bit. But um, it's from what you see, obviously, on Facebook, the news. There's a kid up here who shot himself. Yeah, that all that. I mean, thank God none of that, you know. I did actually have an attempted suicide when I was 19. Okay. Because um, of a boy. Okay. You know, at the time, that was my you know, end all and be all of the universe, you know, because my whole life I was looking for somebody to love me, yeah. right? And uh, not realizing that it was I needed to love myself, you know. This is all the stuff you learn in sobriety, right? Like in retrospect, you learn all the The first stuff. thing you learn. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't, unfortunately not for me, hence the relapses. But, you know, I learned it now. But, uh, yeah, so growing up all through high school, um, didn't have a lot of friends, uh, kept to myself a lot, uh, I met my uh, first husband in the woods, actually, at Canister Reservoir. Oh, wow. Right by you. Okay. Yeah. One other weekend, went, went camping with a girlfriend of mine from up here, and um, he had a case of beer, and I was out of beer. So, immediately, he was my new favorite person. Mm-hmm. He had an awesome dog, kind of like Duke. There you go. And uh, He is awesome. Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, we, I got together with him, and I thought, of course, retrospect, this was going to fix me. This was going to make me feel whole again. Yeah. Prior yeah, to that, though, prior thing. to that, like I mentioned before, I did have 
somebody I dated, um, and I got my heart broken for the first real time, and I did attempt suicide. Um, That's rough. Yeah, I wasn't really even drinking. For whatever reason. Yeah, it was. It was. That was uh, unfortunately. That was at the time was my only way out in my brain. Um, thankfully, that's never come into my brain again. But um, you know, so I got married, and I was young. I was twenty-two when I got married, and at this time I was drinking a little bit, but not really much. Um, you know, I wasn't really that into the. I didn't have that like overwhelming like, oh, this is gonna fix all my problems. Drunk yet, I guess you should say, and. Um, I guess it really started when I uh, started self-medicating. You know, my, my relationship was not the best. I had my two children, which were all the best things that ever happened to me, besides my sobriety. And um, so 24, 26, I had two kids. Um, I was in a relationship with a man who was not the nicest to me. Um, we had our problems. We actually separated before my daughter was born. But I found that I was pregnant while we were separated, so I tried to get back together, try to, you know, work it out for the kids. Yeah. And, Make um, the best of the situation. Yeah, but I was miserable. Miserable. So once I had my daughter, um, I actually lived in Ogdensburg, and I lived across the street from the liquor store on Main Street. Mm-hmm. So that's when I start my alcoholism, I guess, started growing. I started drinking more, you know, and my tolerance started growing, and I started going from beer to beer and vodka, and just vodka. And then we moved to Stillwater. Okay. And uh, I was very isolated, and I had a lot of friends. My my ex liked to have not have me be around people, so I was home with my kids. So he wanted you kind of like a cocooned in a yeah. Yeah. And um, that's manipulation. Man. Oh, it's time. horrible. Yeah. Horrible. And uh, you know he. The hell with that. It was bad, but uh, I had a few friends. I had a few friends in. Uh, in the, like in the mom group, you know, mm-hmm. but nothing crazy. I was a stay-at-home mom, which I think added to my insanity. <laughs> um, more power to the people. I did it for eight years. More power to the people that can do it for longer. Um, but yeah, like my my that's looking back. My thoughts a lot of the times were, I can't wait for the kids to go to sleep so I could drink. I can't wait for the kids to go to. Sleep. I knew nothing about AA. I never heard about AA growing up. Um, I never heard about the 12 steps, anything like that. So the drinking got worse um, to the point where, you know, it started where, like, the kids were asleep, I would start drinking. And then it was like, well, the kids are going to bed in two hours, so I can start drinking now. And yeah. start, uh, what's the word? Rationalizing? Rationalizing, romanticizing. Romanticizing. Either one. Anything. It's the yeah. same thing anyway. Anything, um, you know, making it okay in my brain. Like, the kids are going to bed in two hours. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, well, the kids are going to be... Once he got home from school, my oldest, now I can start drinking because I don't have to see anybody. Like, I don't have to get him off the bus. And um, he's, good at, he's good for a while. You can soften up things a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was... It wasn't very long. I was, like, 20... I was 26 when my daughter. He moved to Stillwater when I was like 27. I think the first time I got sober was it was in 06. It was June 11, it was 06, 11, 06. It was my first sobriety date. Um, what led up to that was you know my not ha- not happy marriage, toxic, unhappy marriage. Sounds June, like you were in prison. Yeah, it was bad. Um, it was bad looking back. Um, but you know, I to be honest, like when we got back together, when I had my when I was pregnant, my daughter, my mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, was like, okay, well, I'll stay for five years so that my daughter can grow up for five years with her dad, and then I'll leave. It's 
kind of what happened. It's actually exactly what happened, but I didn't expect alcoholism to kick my ass in the meantime. Did things change at all when you came back? No. no. I mean, like, maybe for... It's a cycle... So it's like emotional abuse, right? It's a cycle of abuse. So it gets better for like two weeks. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose again. And then it's like that cycle. And that, that, that prison you're living it's in. It's the constant trauma bonding. And it's the constant fighting and making up. Fighting and making when up. When you had alcohol, those walls get even stronger. Oh, my God. I was, and I was hiding it. And, and I was doing the, like, going to the liquor store and being like, hey, kids, we have to get granddad's, you know, um, Canadian club. That's what my dad used to drink. And I swore yeah. I'd never drink that. Of course, if it was in the house, I drank it, you know. And then I remember my ex finding like an empty bottle once, and I'm like, "Oh, Kenny must." My son was like four. Yeah, Kenny must have hid that there. Yeah. You're starting young. Yeah, and he would ask me, "Like, are you slow? Are you are you already slowing the words?" And I'm like, "No, I'm just tired. You know, the kids got me tired." Um, but I'll never forget the one time I got the. I ended up actually in the psych ward a couple of times because I was making myself insane yeah. from drinking. Um, the one time I got drunk and uh, the kids were home and I called my ex and I was like, I'm going to use your gun and I'm going to shoot myself because I can't. Because I remember looking in the mirror in the bathroom and I can picture it to this day and being like, you're like a terrible person. You're horrible. Like you're a horrible mom. Talking to yourself. Talking to myself. Like how can you, you can't keep doing this. Like I was like 28, 29 years old and I'm like, I can't live like this anymore. Like I, this is not who... This is not supposed to be my life. No, this is not you become the way a prisoner I'm to your own life. Yeah, this is not supposed to, the way I'm supposed to feel about it. And myself. alcohol fortifies the walls that you have built. Right. To keep out reality. 100%. That's exactly what it is. 100%. And, uh, you know, I, had, I didn't realize that I had a problem. I mean, I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what it was. How's that? So I went to a psych ward because he called cops. The cops came because I said I wanted to kill myself. They put me in the hospital, and then they wait for you to sober up, and they ask you again, and I'm like, yeah, like, I hate my life. Like, I don't want to be alive. So they put me in the psych ward, and they're like, you're bipolar. And I was like, perfect, because if I'm bipolar, that means I don't have a drinking problem. <laughs> perfect. No, that's not how it works. Okay. So, good. And then I remember taking the questionnaire, and they asked me all the questions about the drinking. Mm-hmm. Some woman came in to talk to me, and I lied, of course, about how much I drank and what it did for me. Yeah, you go to alcoholic. But it still like. didn't click in my head that I might have a drinking problem at this point. I was just happy that they gave me a diagnosis. Okay, give me some pills. So that'll make me feel better so I can keep drinking. I mean, obviously, depression with alcohol pills and is alcohol. not uh-huh. the best combination. So I was there for like a week, went home, um, and then I ended up going back again. But like, and this is my alcoholic mind, right? That was my escape from my reality. To go back to, to the... To go back to the psych ward. Yeah. So I went four times in a year and a half. Uh, been there. I don't so, know if it was four or three. Yeah. So, because that was my escape from my from my, my husband, from my reality. It was an escape. I, I, I didn't have a physical drinking dependency yet. You're ba- you're, what you're doing is you're just bouncing off the bottom. Yeah. Like, just smacking. Yeah, now that I'm over and over back. Again. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I felt like a terrible mom um, because I wanted to escape mm-hmm. I also felt like a terrible mom because I didn't want to go to baseball games I'm like I don't have to sit down and watch my kids play baseball I want to be home drinking uh, I took money out of my kids piggy bank to go drive a car with no brakes to the liquor store while my ex was at like PTA family fun night with the kids like it was not the person I am if anyone who knows me knows that my kids are my life you know all I ever wanted to do in life was be a mom so alcoholism definitely made me a person that I wasn't 
So the first time that I actually got sober, I ended up in, um, I think, is it Carrier? The one that's in Booton. Or Denville. Not Denville? really sure about that one. I was there for like three days. It was actually a detox. I didn't know that. I thought it was another psych ward. Okay. Max and I got in a fight. And my kids were away for the night. And I forget what happened. And he took me there. And I was there for three days. And the guy came in. It was an old guy. It was like an AA meeting, right? So a guy came in. And he gave me a 24-hour coin. Like those like plastic mm, coins. Chips, yeah. Yeah. Chip. And I was like... Wow, he thinks I'm gonna make it. Cause he goes, I'm only, I don't give this to people that I think are gonna make it. And that, like, that sat with me. And I was like, Wow, this guy thinks I'm gonna make it. I'm like, Make it to what? Like, I, I was like, confused. Tomorrow. To tomorrow. Yeah, but like, I was just like, I'm gonna make it. Um, so you know, I went into recovery, and I didn't know much about it. I didn't know much about what the program was about. I didn't know what you're supposed to do. Um, I walked into my first meeting, and. Um, my kid's preschool class mom was leading the meeting. That's how it works. That's how it and I was works. like, whoa. So, you know, I went through the program. I stayed sober for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sober for a year. My ex and I and I got some of my worth back. Um, I, my ex and I divorced um, because of my stays in the mental ward and everything else. He. When was that, like 08? 06, 07, I divorced him. 07, I left him. Moved, out, moved back to Morgan County. So he um, was very manipulative and was like, you know, and he didn't even go to court about the kids. It was just was like, I thought, because I still thought I was such a piece of crap because of my alcoholism and mm-hmm. whatever else, that like, yeah, you know, right, you should take the kids and I'll do the, the part-time parent. That's the worst thing is trying to get your self-worth back. Yeah. Because oh it's God. been so low for so long. Oh, uh, it's, yes. So I didn't have any, you know. Um my first divorce, you know, like I married this guy, like you don't get married thinking you're gonna get divorced, you know, so I was upset about that, I was upset about the kids, there was just a lot going on, so I moved back to my parents in Bergen County, and I stayed sober for another three and a half years, mm-hmm. um, looking back, it was solely pretty much on fellowship, I did do some stuff, some work, but it wasn't constant, I never really got a new sponsor in that area, um, kind of like kind of teetering around it was basically just the fellowship like my all my friend my whole friend group was pretty much mm-hmm. recovery based mm-hmm. um so that's who i hung out with um, we never really dived and dove into the work never no no like i did a little bit it's like scary. bare minimum it's scary to look but at not, yourself but i didn't realize it four and a half i mean i definitely had ups and downs yeah. in sobriety um without having like such a good base and mm-hmm. such a good connection with a higher power um but uh yeah, it was, it was... You got a taste of a good life, though. I did. Yeah. I really did, because I remember, like, at least being happy for the first time in a long time. I was on all this medication, because they said I was bipolar. I went off all that, because I'm not bipolar. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, I don't need this now that I'm sober. You know, and it was great. Um, I met husband number two when I was four years... Three and a half years sober? Three and a half years sober. Um... He was not in recovery. He was uh, normal Earthling. He was a, no. He's definitely not normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, we we fell in love very quickly. Um, we moved in together when I was we were together about nine months. He started to not 
oh, you want you do go to these meetings. First, it was like, oh, you know, this is great. Like, you don't need them you. anymore, yeah, right? Like, yeah, like that was just because you weren't happy in your old relationship. You really do go to these things like a lot. Like, wow, it's a lot. And uh, you know, the the good uh, codependent woman that I was was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go so much. Like, it upsets him, you know. And so I st- I slowly backed off of meetings and with living with him for three months I, I relapsed and after four and a half years this Friday and uh, I was like alright and I was okay for a little while I was pissed that the first six pack I drank didn't get me drunk that should have been my first red flag right there I'm like what do you mean I didn't get drunk the first time I drank after four and a half years sometimes it hangs around it, sometimes it hits you like a little bit later you think things are alright the yeah, first was, couple I times was, I was like, manageable yeah, for, okay. a little, for, for a little while not very long for a little while and uh, and then I slowly but surely started hiding bottles of vodka again, you know. And um, I uh, was drinking a lot. And then I got sober again in 2012 because I was like, no, I have to go back. Like mm-hmm. this is not this life is not for me. I have to go back. And he was supportive at first. Seeds been planted. Yeah, supportive. Like we broke up. He was supportive. Um, we got back together. We got engaged like right away. Another red flag. Um, I got married sober year and a half sober you know almost two years sober when I got married the second time and I relapsed on my honeymoon um at his suggestion and uh like I said but I wasn't maintaining a conscious contact with higher power I didn't have a sponsor I didn't have a very good network of people that I was talking to about my life decisions a few but not enough and I wasn't talking I wasn't telling enough of my life to the right people to anybody really I was living in my own head which is very dangerous so my story very much is not I don't have arrests I don't have oh boo there's so much fun (laughs) I don't have DWIs I should have um but I have a lot of in my brain like that insanity in your head you never took a swing at a cop or anything no Jesus no I know I'm boring um so yeah, so then I, I, 2013, I got married, relapsed, um, slowly but surely, got bad quick right away to hiding the vodka in the basement, um, in the laundry room. I learned to hide plastic bottles because and if you put them underneath the sink when you're taking it out, you, you can't hear it. I had them all over the place. Really? Yeah. And uh, it was bad. And um, But I was okay with it. Like, I was like, all right, listen, there's people that like smoke pot every day and they're okay. Like, I'm just going to be like, I drink vodka every night. Like, and it was like an every night thing. It wasn't like, it wasn't even every night at the beginning. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And then, right after we got married, things got super toxic. And, you know, almost the same as the first one, but like a hundred times worse. And emotional abuse, um, you know, I learned now that he's super narcissistic. Now I know what that is. Um... Which is a very bad... Um, he basically got everything he needed out of our relationship, like custody of his child and the house he wanted and the truck he wanted. And then I kind of was like pushed to the wayside. Kind so, of depleted you emotionally. Oh, emotionally, Isn't that physically, the worst? financially, spiritually, everything you can think of. You walk away like, what the... But, so at this point we're still together though. And um, my daughter wants to move in with me. So that was like my next focus. Like, okay, when she moves in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down. Mm-hmm. I'll stop then because then I'll have her here and I'll be able to stop of course that didn't happen because I'm an alcoholic and then my uh, 
was that before? I'm not sure when my dad got sick. I think my dad got sick first. My dad got sick. My father was diagnosed with stage four cancer in December of 2014, and he died in June of 2015. And I was already drinking at that point, sporadically. But when he died, um, it was off to the races because that was like the most heartache I've ever felt in my entire life. My dad was like my my whole world, you know, and uh, and that just fed my alcoholism. So it's like, all right, now we have like a real concrete. Like, yeah, your husband's a jerk. You know, your kids don't live with you. The mommy guilt. The mommy guilt was huge for me. I should bring that up because. I know when I share about that, a lot of people, I get the head nods, you know. But the parent guilt is excruciatingly crippling. Um, when you get sober and you're like, yeah, I chose my substance over my child. Like the one, you know, especially, you know, it's, it, or like I chose to live a life without them because of this, is my dr- alcohol, drug, or whatever. Um, that plays a lot in your head, you know. And for a while, like, that one relapse I had in the middle there, that was like, that was my, like, my reason. Yeah. My main reason. Like, oh, it's mommy guilt. I think I even said that to one of my sober friends. Like, I just can't deal with not living with my kids, so I'm just gonna drink. And she was like, well, I don't think that's a smart idea, but, you know, you do you. I can't tell you what to do. Like, I you already know it's not a smart idea. Yeah, so, I just had, I had to justify it somehow why I was drinking. That was my justification in my head. But like I said, when my father passed June 9, 2015, um, I didn't take, I didn't have another sober day after that until I got sober um, in May 2018. Every night I was drunk. Um, and uh, of course, like, my marriage was not the best in the first place, and then me being drunk every day doesn't help. Um, he also fueled it and brought home alcohol. My daughter would yell at him, like, why are you drinking alcohol? It's not good for my mom. Like, my kids knew. Did he, he doesn't really know what it's like. He just didn't care. He didn't care. No, he didn't care. Um, Some people just don't have a clue. I think well, it's... But you would think if you love the person, that, that... Well, that's the not caring. Yeah, yeah, it's not caring, so. But I drank, so I drank every day. For like, and I was like, I drove around with a, probably a bottle and a chunk of my car of vodka for probably a good couple of years. Learn again to get the plastic bottles because the last one broke back there. I never, yeah, I never. Yeah, I'm smart. I'm a smart. Alcoholic. The bad thing about me, and I talk to me, it's been coming up a lot in conversation lately with um, other people that I've been talking to, is that I'm very, very good at hiding it. Oh, well, we I'm all very, are. Very, very good. Like people, are, I got, I've gotten a car accident drunk. Didn't nobody know I was drunk. I um, drove my daughter to Baltimore in a blackout. All the way to Baltimore. And don't remember getting there. That's, yeah. I've yeah. had some nights like that when yeah. I was younger. But then I found cocaine and realized if you're too drunk, do a little bit of this stuff. Well, I did a be... little bit of that after my dad passed. Never touched it until I, until then, until I was 40. Then you can drive anything you want, wherever you want. Only it for a little matter. bit. But I was always too scared to go looking for it. Like, people are now yeah, are like, was... really? Like, you don't... You didn't do drugs? And I'm like, no. I'm like, listen, I know, you know, I'm like, alcohol is my thing, but like, it just wasn't presented to me, and I was just too scared to go looking for it. I had robbed a drug dealer in my car. He was in my car, drove to the ATM. I had a zero balance, turned around, opened the door, grabbed him, and threw him out of the car. Well, you're, you know, yeah. that guy, so. I could have gotten shot. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't matter. I didn't care. It was, yeah, no, well, you don't care, right? Like, it was presented to me shortly after my father passed. And, and I would have been like, mad that he sure. shot me. 
I'm glad that I wasn't presented with other drugs, to be honest, in that time of my life because I would have done anything, excuse me, at that time to numb the pain I was feeling. So, yeah, it was like three years of like every day at night I was drinking. Um, On the weekends, I was probably, if I wasn't working, it was on the clock. Um, And sometimes I would just call on sick from work and just drink all day, pass out on the couch, wake up, just keep drinking, pass out on the couch. Didn't have any physical, um, surprisingly. It took a long time for that to catch up to me. I mean, they say alcohol, alcoholism is slower and a very slow, painful, painful death. Um, all the while, not feeling like I'm worth anything because I'm like knowing that I had four and a half years sober at one yes. point, and then again almost two years at one point. Vaguely remembering that I felt way better in general in my skin at that point than I do at this point. I remember looking at pictures on the wall in my living room, like say my wedding pictures, I was sober when I got married and I'm like I want to be that girl again like, that's the girl I want and I tried to tell my ex, I was like I want to go back to meetings, like I need to stop and he didn't know how much it was um, that it was like every day, I don't think anybody did but I'd be like, don't you want that Like that's the girl you married, don't you want her I know I'm not that girl right now, I put on 100 pounds over like two or three years. Um, I'm like, I know I'm not that girl. You know, I stopped, I, I always was, in, not always, but for like 10 years I've been into like exercise and working out and I got really into nutrition and exercise when I, before I got married. And then when I started drinking again, just, I mean, I'd still go to the gym sometimes slightly drunk from the night before because I'd go at 6 a.m. Just to feel like you're doing it. Just to go through the motions. The emotions are worse. But it wasn't like, you know, I, I kept putting on weight and I'm thinking, it can't be the alcohol, right? It's got to be, um, you know, I was diagnosed with celiac, so I stopped eating gluten. Okay, that's going to make me stop losing weight. That didn't work. It had to be, you know, uh, female hormonal stuff. Maybe that's why, Estrogen. I, that's why I'm yeah. gluten weight. Not you know? depression or alcoholism. Well, not depression or alcoholism. Couldn't be that. Couldn't be the alcohol. Anything. And I would literally, like, be like, okay, see, it's not, like, vodka doesn't have any, like, um, fat in it or, or But it's gluten. depressant. And, but it's depressant. Oh, I know. And it has carbs. It's all carbs. But in my head, I was like, you know, my alcoholism, I'm justifying it so I could keep drinking. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to die. Like, that's what alcohol does to me. It makes me want to die. Um, I, I was on two different antidepressants at this time in, like, 2000, late 2017. Um, you know, I've been going to the doctor because of my father. I've dealt with situational depression, mm-hmm. you know. So my dad passing, obviously, was hard to go through so I went back to the doctor and got on some medication after a little while um of course drinking on antidepressants doesn't help them work oh it does it does the opposite like right. double yeah so then yeah. I on another one on top of the one I was on Ugh. because I was like no it's just not working Maybe some kind of mood else. stabilizing so stuff. it was another antidepressant it was yeah. two different ones because the one did the uh, two and the other one did the other throw everything in there whatever give me yeah. whatever as long as I don't have to stop drinking yeah, it's like mm-hmm. Halloween candies Packing on the pounds, packing on the pounds. Those put on pounds, too. Not happy in my own skin. Um, Physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, It was just... And I was like, this is it? Like, this is is my life? Like, I'm 42, 43 years old, and this is what it's going to be? Like, forever? I'm like, this this can't be right. It doesn't have to be. Like, this can't be right. And I remember vaguely... um, And I was a blackout drinker. Like, blackout. Like, stumble around the kitchen, try to pee in the garbage can, blackout drinker. Isn't that normal? And I my, still do that. <laughs> still do that. My kids used to think I was a sleepwalker. 
Devil gag. Really, in the blackout. No, they were teenagers. You know, thinking I'm a sleepwalker because I would pass out on the couch and walk around my house in a blackout. Oh, mommy's just having fun. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, my, my ex used to record me. Ugh. To show me the next day, or he would come into the bedroom and wake me up. Shame. Try to yeah, try to Shame. try to poke me, mm-hmm. like so I'd start talking in my sleep, and I would say things about how unhappy I was and stuff like that because I'm drunk. You know, when you're drunk, a lot of stuff comes out. But he was, you know, it was it was just a bad, bad scene. I mean, I don't remember a lot of a couple of the years, to be honest. Um, and then in January of 2018, I went back to the rooms. I was like, I have to stop. Like, we got in, like, some, I was out. We were dryer shopping at Home Depot. And I was blasted. And uh, I think when I got home or on the way home, we got in a fight. I don't remember. I was in blackout. And he, like, called my mom. He called my brother. Like... I don't know if you called my sister or whatever. Like, my mom was there the next morning. She lives in Tom's River. So I was like, what are you doing here? Like, I was like, I passed out, you know? I was just gone. I think it was a Saturday, and, like, I didn't work, so I was, like, drinking all day. And I was like, no, I got to go back to meetings. Like, I need to get sober again. And so I started going back to meetings, and I started getting, feeling a little bit better because I was getting some sobriety in me again, networking with people who get my brain, mm-hmm. you know? And um, and then in April, that April, April 3rd or 2nd, my ex and I um, got in a physical, he physically assaulted me, and I uh, finally this time called the police and got him arrested. And that was the first time I got him arrested. Was this 18, 2018? Yeah. Okay. April, I was sober, like 72 days. Okay. He got in a fight, he pushed me on the ground. And uh, I had, you know, visible, visible marks for the next day. Um, I left that night to went to someone's house that I was going to meetings with. And the next day, I was like, I'm calling the police. I'm going to get you arrested. And he was like, don't do that. And I was like, I, I, I but I, and I knew, as soon, I, this was my, I knew as soon as I made that call, as soon as I went to the police station, that we were going to be done. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so deeply in love with this man for so long. Well, the version of this man who I thought he was, not the actual person he was, the person he presented to the to the world. That it was, it was. I held on for so, way longer than I should have. Um, second marriage. I didn't want to go through a second divorce. I didn't want to break up another family on my children. It's a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. You know, um, I didn't want to be that girl. But I, I couldn't. If I didn't leave this man I was either going to drink again or I was going to kill myself like there's just there was no there's no way I was going to be happy and that night I left the next day I relapsed after 72 days I found him in a hotel room some see hotel room number 46 and I was off to the races for six weeks almost around the clock and finally like that Saturday, it was a Saturday, two people, a girl from my work called me, and it was like 6 a.m., or no, it was like 10 a.m., and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm drunk, and she's like, 
you're drunk, who you are from last night? I was like, no. And the, a lot of my close friends from work, they knew my history. Mm-hmm. Right? I never really hid it, the fact that I was sober when I was sober, but I always came up with good ideas to why I wasn't sober anymore. Of course, yeah. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I'm no, I was all right. Point. Like, it was just a needed a break. Like, I'm okay now. I just drink just wine. Just phase. I like I just that. Just drink wine. Just a phase. And in public, I did that. I was able to just drink wine. And then I would go home and get drunk. Like, Churched it up in public. Yeah, in public. Like, and that's what I tell people. Like, because some people are like, you sure you have a drinking problem? Like, you never acted like you had a drinking problem. I was a very isolated drinker. I was a home drinker. I didn't drink crazy Most at the bar. Most successful alcoholics are yeah. I didn't drink crazy at the bar. I didn't drink, you know, I, I, and I would tell people, you know, drinking for me, because people who met me, meet me now that don't, didn't know me before, I'm like, drinking for me was not like sitting at the bar drinking an appetini with my girlfriend. Drinking for me is drinking hot vodka out of the trunk of my car in the middle of July. That's what drinking for me is. That's where drinking takes me. And I'm fine. I was fine with it. Like, oh, 95 degrees? Let me just take this bottle of vodka out of the trunk of my car and chug it. You know it's bad when you're manipulating the way you drink like that. <sighs> That's almost really bad. It's bad. So. You're trying to make excuses for your own behavior and you can't even find them. No. You can't even make them. I don't remember half the stuff I told people, to be honest. Because I was probably drunk when I said it. You didn't believe it anyway. And I believe I believed it. Like I would have, I could have convinced you the sky was purple. That's how good I was. But in my own head, I probably sounded like an idiot most of the time. You might have actually done it and then gone home and drunk and drank until you forgot you even said it. Right. You know? uh, a lot from I forgot a lot of stuff I said. A lot of justification. So we put on such a good facade when we're out in public until it's you know not all of us but for the most part, and then behind closed doors we're messes. No it's exactly how it is. Too. Like, you know, like everyone thought I was so happy. That's how I used to try and keep a good appearance on the outside. My mind and my heart, I had no self esteem. I was a mess. It's, it was a wreck. impossible to do that. No respect for myself. It's impossible for me to, like, put on a facade anymore. Isn't that amazing? It's great. It's amazing. But so I, that April, whatever, I, I relapsed. Six weeks straight. Um, that Saturday, my girlfriend. I told her I was drunk, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the store to get more alcohol. And they all knew, like, I filed a restraining order, we were, whatever, like, mm. things were, you know, my ex had moved, moved out of the house with, with his daughter, so it was just me and my daughter in my house. And I thought, well, now I'm good, right? Now I'm going to be fine, because he's gone. But of course, it didn't happen. And uh, so she showed up. She called another girl from my job. They both showed up and had, like, a little intervention in my backyard with me. We were talking, and I was like, I know, i got to stop, i got to stop. But I couldn't. I wanted to. I couldn't. Meanwhile, while she was on her way, I did go to the store and get more alcohol. Because <laughs> I'm a good little alcoholic. And I did want to stop. I remember those six weeks crying myself to the liquor store. Like, why am I doing this? I want to, I don't want to keep doing this. Like, I want to be sober. Like, I don't want to keep doing this. And I... Uh, so they had a little intervention. I was like, yeah, I have to stop. And she's like, do you have any alcohol in the house? And I was like, no. It was in my car, so I didn't really lie. And they left, and I got drunk. That Monday, which was the 14th of May, went to work, left, came home, started drinking. Went to, and this time I'm going to meetings, still at least six weeks, drunk, reading, drunk. People, I mean, people are like, can you read the promises? And I'm like, sure. I'm like, if I say no, they're going to know I'm drinking, so I have to read. You're still there. You're the still girl trying who's to. With me is why like, even bother? Looking at me like, and now she tells me she's like, you sounded like you were drunk. One meeting. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I'm telling you this. 
she took me to a meeting. I can't even tell you where it was because I was it was like a Saturday afternoon. I wasn't working, so I was like gone already. It was like a one o'clock meeting on Saturday. We go to the meeting. We sit down, and I look across the room, and there's a guy that I used to date from like ten years ago mm-hmm. when I was sober the first time. Loud across the whole meeting, I was like, I slept with that guy ten years ago. Whoops. <laughs> I don't even remember it. I was mortified. I think he messaged me on Facebook when I got home, and he was like, hey, uh, drinking again? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, please tell me. How could you tell? Please tell me your girlfriend wasn't in that meeting. And he was like, no. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so mortified. But, um, yes, because I, I was trying to still hold on to sobriety. Like I, want, I knew I wanted it. I knew I needed it, but I couldn't stop. I could not stop drinking. Like I know people used to say that. But it was so Fake it till you make it? It was so easy for me. No, they couldn't stop. Yeah. And it was the last two times I got sober, it was easy for me to say, okay, this is bad. I'm going to put it down. At least you're trying to do the right thing. You're not, yeah. You're not, you're still drinking. Yeah. But the other half, you're still getting, you're trying to get. I was trying. It's know? better than nothing. It's right. better than sitting home. What do I do? What do I do? Right. I know what to do. You know. I knew what to do. I just couldn't do it. So I want to, I want to brush up about, um, you know, stress, the stress issue. Oh, okay. So, you mean the PTSD? Yes. All right. So, let me just finish real quick <laughs> where I got sober. So, that Monday night, I went to a meeting. Um, at the meeting, I was talking to people afterwards, and I was like, if I don't go to rehab, I'm not going to stop. Like, it kind of, like, shot in my head. Like, I mm-hmm. really went to rehab. Yeah. And I was like, if I don't get away, remove myself from the availability, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop. And plus, at this point, I was, like, getting the shakes, and I was... So that night I asked actually my ex to please take me to rehab. I called him and I was like, I, I need your help. I need you to take me. And he wouldn't take me because he's so awesome. And He didn't take you? No. I called the one girl from my job um, who's my angel. And she, at 10 o'clock at night, dropped everything she was doing, left her boyfriend and her kids and came and picked me up. Packed in a blackout. Another girl from my job took my daughter to make sure she was safe, she can get to school. So, like, I'm super blessed with, like, sobriety people, but, like, I have awesome earthling friends Mm -hmm. that I'm super blessed with, too, because if it wasn't for them... I'm the same way. Yeah, if it wasn't for them that night, I don't know what I would have done. Like, they, two of them weren't there that night that I needed that that divine intervention or Mm -hmm. that that aha moment where I was like, I need to go away or I'm not going to stop. And I knew about Sunrise. That's where I came. That's where I went. Because I spoke there when I was sober, when I was up here in Stillwater. And so, hence started my journey on May 15th, 2018, is my sobriety date. Fast forward a couple years, um, divorce, all that, uh, I uh, threw myself right into the program. Um, threw myself right into the work because I needed to know, I, need, I knew I needed to stop the committee in my head. And I needed to get better, I needed to dump a lot of stuff. So I did all that. And I felt great within... The first nine months were, were bad. I cried every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I know now is that I was also dealing with PTSD at the same time from my relationship, which I didn't know existed, to be honest. Um, the more work I did on myself, um, I got back in the gym. I lost that 100 pounds. Um, I did a lot of work on my self-worth, and I still wasn't feeling 100%. Is that when you realized that you had something... Something else going Traumatic. On. That, yeah. yeah. So, and I was like, I just don't... And I, I used to tell my sponsor, like, I don't understand. Like, I don't... Like, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm close to my higher power. I have a great connection. Mm. Um, 
doing a lot of service work, which is huge for me this time. I never really got into that last time, and and I love the rep- how it makes me feel, you know, and disease, and I'm like something's still not right, something's still off within me, and I can't figure out what it is. And um, so I started doing some research and talking to her and talking to some other people, and I was like, is that possible? Like I always thought PTSD was like a veteran thing, or or you know, and I've been through some other traumatic instances I should say um, with men that um, like when I lost my virginity I was raped stuff like that so I have a lot of stuff kind of in that realm um, that I never dealt with so this time around getting sober I instead of just dealing with like the surface stuff of what I was dealing with right now I started dealing diving into my the deep stuff painful and that started bringing up a lot of traumatic all that shit's under layers right. of muck so after like a year and a half sober or so this time I started diving into that stuff because I never did that last time and I don't want to drink again so I will do what I have to do to not drink again so when I started digging into that stuff is when other stuff started popping up along with two I, I married two narcissists um I need to know why I did that. I need to know what in me brings on that and, and takes... I'm codependent. I learned that. Um, I I'm, was codependent. I'm trying to not be anymore. And Baby steps. Baby steps. But I'm, but I'm doing... But I'm kicking butt. You know? Like, uh, you know, I'm very open about my struggle with in recovery and, and PTSD. Um, I... I love when people reach out to me and are like oh you dealt with that too because they're all connected yeah the longer you get in sobriety the real the more you realize that drugs and alcohol were not the problem oh definitely not it was your brain and the way it's connected from all these traumatic events and then you add some addictive personality onto that just like shake it up it's a great mix it's it's fantastic it's a great cocktail i didn't have the traumatic stuff from other people i had it from my own dealings with life like just doing dumb shit I did some really stupid shit yes, if you've ever heard no. my story oh my god I, can't, I forgot how many times I've been arrested I don't even know that many times yeah I've never been arrested I'm very lucky nose broken three times broke my knuckle no your nose looks great oh it, uh, that's because every time I got it broken I put it back together again because I'm like freaking Gumby but <laughs> yeah it's I did all this stuff to myself I did Everything. a lot of it to myself. I put myself in some situations where I didn't have enough self-worth to say, no, don't treat me like that, or, or this is a bad situation. I like, should have said it to myself a long time I ago. Now I realize, like, I feel it yeah. in my gut immediately. Um, like, I talked, I talked to my higher power, and I can feel him. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous to some people. It used to sound ridiculous to me when people would say that. And I'm like, no, come on. But now I like, like I told you when you, when I talked to you on Monday, I literally was on the way to work and I was talking to my higher power and I said, you know, help me to be of service to all people, especially those in recovery. That's because when you get sober, God becomes part of you. Yeah. Oh, he God. has to be. Oh, it's. Or she or he. It. No, he for me. You know, and I'm you. Saying higher power to be like. It's in. It's instilled into. It's ingrained into you. You know, into your moral compass, and then. You actually feed off the good parts of your of your own self. And the best part is. And giving back is the oh, pinnacle. The ultimate. Yeah. Uh, 
I've had one sponsee who I took through the steps. I have a, I just read with my, another sponsee yesterday, and all we did was read the prefaces of the book, and I was getting chills yeah. just because this program means so much to me. Um, it's it's. I mean, I have, I, I just I can't doing this it. right now makes me. I, I have chills. Yeah, it's the best thing in the world because someone will listen to this, and I have people who say that was great. I hope so. And I'm like, I'm great. I'm glad you got something out of it. Maybe we both we both stay sober another time. Yeah, hours. I told an earthling friend last night I was going to be doing this, and they were like, "Oh, do you like telling your story?" I'm like, "I do." I'm like, "I don't find it overly exciting. I don't have a lot of funny stories." I have a whole like group of people out in San Diego that latched on. Oh yeah. yeah. Coast What's to up, coast. San Diego. Coast to coast. So what's up, San Diego? Stay, stay, stay safe out there. But uh, this stuff is amazing. This program is amazing. Giving back is am- is. I'm like I get lit up with a Christmas tree. I love going back to Sunrise and speaking there. I have a friend who you know we t- we tried to go there. We were on a constant schedule right before this all happened. Mm-hmm. Right before COVID hit, we were going almost every every month. Thank God, I still have like constant schedule as far as work. Oh, me too. Like, the routine is huge for me. Huge. So, like, the gym, right? We were talking about that before, the physical aspect. Um, I fell in head over heels in love with fitness and nutrition again. Well, that's where we really fit in well. Uh, we have the same mindset as far as that. Right. And I tell people, you don't know how important it's physical is a very big deal. Oh. And if you're going to be a fat slob and sit home all day long and, and wonder why you feel like shit... I mean, if I, if I don't Your move, body do is made to release chemicals that make you feel better when you push it to a certain extreme. Those endorphins are amazing. You know, Mother Nature, God, whoever's in charge Mother of building Hebrew, awesome okay, she put those endorphins in us to be released, not to sit there while you eat chips and you watch bowl game. Which I mean, I could do both: exercise, eat chips, <laughs> and the bowl game. But balance. Yeah, but you don't realize you have na- you have natural medicine in your body. That gets released when you when you it's exert yourself. The most underused antidepressant is exercise. Yeah, hundred percent. And if you need to go to a doctor, you need to take something. It's just more ammo for for well, never-ending battle. Those two antidepressants I was on after I left Sunrise, I went to my doctor with his with his help. I, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to go off them because I I don't I know when I'm sober I don't need them. And, and I have you know, I have a fantastic network now let me tell you a quick story I have time for another story you have time okay so when I did my steps this 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 time um, there was two amends that I didn't think I was going to be able to make well there's four two are both my ex-husbands who I don't have the the willingness to make amends yet I'm still praying for that but I do pray for them it's going to be long that's going to be hard yeah I, I do pray for them and I do hope that they I do pray for them and I pray for the willingness will it ever show up I'm not sure but there was two friends of mine, specifically my girlfriend um, that I was friends with before I got sober. She was in my wedding. Um, I'm sorry, not before I got sober. I w- we were sober together. Her, she's in the program. Her last drunk was with me, ten, almost ten years ago. Oh, okay. Um, we had met through the program before that when I was sober the first time. Um, I was so then we drank together, and then she got sober. I tried to come back at the same time. It didn't work. She was at my wedding. She was my best friend. So, like, she's, like, my person, right? She's my person. So, she, uh, my ex had, she caught on to the way he was being with me. And she made it known to me that he's not treating you properly type of thing. 
and um, he uh, he basically was like, "You choose her or me." Wow. You can't be friends with her anymore. Because oh, because he because she, she was calling not calling, calling him out, but call he went through my phone and saw text messages that she was sending to me, mm-hmm. and he knew that she was gonna bring him to light, I guess, or like be like a fire underneath me to be stand up for myself, have a backbone, have some self worth. She exposed him. Yeah. And uh, so, out of nowhere, I just said to her, sorry, I can't find you anymore. And it was like, compared to my two marriages, this was like a, almost a harder breakup because, like, this girl, like, she got, she gets me. Like, mm-hmm. she's unconditional love from, like, a non-family member. The only person in my life who's ever given it to me. And that fueled my drinking, too. So that was in 2014. No, it was after my dad passed, so 2015. And uh, so she was on my amends list, rightfully so. I know I hurt her. Um, when I got sober this time, I purposely did not go to meetings that I knew she was going to because I didn't want to cause harm. We're not supposed to cause harm. And I didn't want to cause harm. I don't want to show up and be like, hey, like I'm sober again. Can we be besties? Yeah. You know? I honestly didn't think I'd ever have the chance to be in her life again. I know I hurt her. And uh, the day my divorce was final, I was about six months sober, she reached out to me. Because she heard that I was in recovery again and that I was doing well. And you left them. And, um, well, I don't know if she knew about that. I don't know if she knew all that. But uh, she reached out to me and she's like, you know, do you want to get together? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to make an amends to you. And, like, I would have been happy just doing that. Right? But that was almost a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. I guess it would be two years, like, in January. Um, It's like, it's like we were never not friends. Isn't that great? God, like, put us back on each other. And she says, even herself, like, she's like, I don't even know what made me reach out to you that day, to be honest. Like, I just, she's like, it had to be God. Like, God reconnected us, and, like, we're back, like, and now I get to be part of her son's life, because now she has a little boy, he's three years old, and I never thought I was made to see, and like, to be able to be a part of his life is like a gift, like I can't even explain. The relationship I have with my kids these days, when I got sober, my daughter, she saw a lot more because she lived with me, my son still lived with their dad, Mm -hmm. and she was mad, she was mad at me. I had to go to court for custody for her with her dad, so I was doing custody with one ex and divorce with the other at the same time. Records of the past doesn't go away when you get sober. There's a lot to deal with. She was a senior in high school. She had a very rough year. Um, she, on top of being a teenager, she was taking care of her mother. Yeah. You know, I bought um, these little alcohol test strips that I could put in my mouth in case she wanted to test if I was drinking. Because I was like, this is what I'm going to do to show you, like, yeah. I'm doing the right you stuff. You were all in. You were throwing yeah. out. Yeah. And uh, now she's my, my best friend. We have matching tattoos. Like, it's, like, we talk about everything. Like, I'm beyond blessed. Like, I can't... I joke around that, um, not even joke around, like, people always say in sobriety, like, if you, if I, if I could have given you a list of things I wanted when I got sober, you know, I couldn't have even imagined. And then my other friend was another friend of mine, a guy friend of mine, who, again, my ex didn't want me to be friends with because he was a boy. Mm-hmm. And he, too, like, I was, he was on my men's list, but he also reached out to me just out of the blue after I was sober. Because, you know, how AA is anonymous, but things get spread around yeah and but you know good things he heard I was doing well and we reconnected and we're close again so it's it's like the gifts that I've gotten 
this time around and my especially my connection with my higher power like I never had that before and I and I will go through anything to never get rid of that like I will keep hold on to that truly is a blessing I will hold on to that until like that's always first no matter what my sobriety was telling my sponsee last night so my, my sobriety's first period my kids know it's first and they're fine with it because they know what sober mom when I get like when I get sober I'm like I, I have one avenue to go down and it's like just turn it over turn, turn all over to God I don't, really don't think I'm supposed to be checking out right now and thank God it, it wasn't my time it's amazing right like I never did that like I never was like okay surrender give it over like I remember people saying, like, I just, I just... I'll take plenty back. I know God. Oh, I try sometimes. You do. It's human nature. But I feel He knows that. Yeah, but then I'm like, oh, now I know why I don't do that. Now I know I know why I let you learn the show. Oh, you're going to get stung. Yeah, if you do something stupid, you're going to get... Did we say it on Monday? How I said I want to be of service, and then you text me 45 minutes later. Do you want to do the podcast? And I was like, I'll do something stupid, like, a month down the road, and I'll get my my ass handed to me, or, you know, in in a very minimal way, you know. But now we know. Like, this life is amazing. I, I could never in a million years thought I, I, in the self worth and the love that I have for myself today, I've never in my whole life had that. Uh, well, that's where it starts because a little story. When I, at work, I noticed when I didn't respect myself, I couldn't get anyone to respect me. When I got sober, it was almost like people sensed that I respected myself. And they, in turn, started to respect me. And I never knew that that was the answer. That it was me the whole time. I thought it was everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it, people sense that you don't give a shit about your own life. Why are they going to waste their time so giving a shit on about you? you? No, they walk on you. Exactly. It's just like... It's like I said, you have to subconscious. love yourself first. They don't even do it on purpose. It's just like... Eh. Like, yeah, mentally, they just don't you care. Treat them how to, you teach them how to treat you. If you don't exactly get upset about certain things or don't put up a boundary. You set the limits. If you don't put up a boundary, then they know they can do whatever, and yeah. you're, you're going to be there anyway, because I'll just keep walking on you because you just let me. And I didn't even know if it's like those, are, those people do that normally, or it's just human nature that it's like opposing forces. You know, it's, I kind of think, think that in human it's nature... A little bit of both. I think human nature has a lot of this, these imposing for, opposing forces like opposites attract, all that stuff, you know, where uh, someone's always going to be a little dominant in such a situation and respectful, hopefully, and then vice versa. I think it, you play off each other in a way because if, you all, if everyone walked around like just pissed off and not giving a shit, then it would just be a, a horrible world. Oh, yeah. So you're always going to have an equal amount of people care and an equal amount of people don't care. And they, they kind of gel with yeah. each other, you know? Yeah, and I think it works. It, it, when I, perfect example is we, we're very, we're an animal anyway, really, a species. But when you go to like a dog park, the dogs that get attacked and into fights are the dogs that come in and they're really nervous and they're scared. Those are the ones that walk into the park and those are the ones that the other ones attack. And the, and the lady or the gentleman who has that dog will take the dog out and come back and say, I don't want your dog to attack my dog. Well, you're being nervous. Your dog's being nervous. And now all these other dogs sense it. And they feed off that negative mm-hmm. energy. And that's what it is. It's like negative energy and positive energy. 
you can only have so much negative energy in a room before it sucks everyone in. Absolutely. But if you have someone positive in a room, you have people that either hate that and leave or people that stay. I gravitate towards those people. I'm well, that now person. You do. Like, I'm not always. I give a shit. Before. I'm like, uh, what did I say? Nauseously optimistic. Ugh. I'm one of those people now. But when I, I was still it. drinking, if you were like, oh, my life's great, fuck off. Yeah. I don't give a shit. What the yeah. hell are you doing in life? Where's my drugs? Where's my alcohol? I used to be like, I don't understand. Why? How could all these people be happy? Like, what am I not doing what that they're doing? Like, I don't understand. What like, do you I'm have working. up your ass that makes you I smile have, so much? I'm married. Supposedly someone loves me. I have a good job. Like, why am I not happy? Like, the drinking is obviously not going to make me happy. Because we're not normal. Well, and our brains do not work like other people's brains. I, I would say not normal is not the right way to, because there's well, way... Well, to be normal anyway? Yeah, what is normal? Um, I look at normal, well, I looked at normal as tying one on Monday through Friday and the weekends too, you know, <laughs> at least. But even when I did it, like, yeah, I'd go through my stages where I was normal for a little while drinking one or two beers, but then I'd really get good and cranked up on a weekend and start a fist fight because, you know, that was fun. But that's not really what, what you want to go through in life if, that, if that's your way of, you know, being normal. But then there's people who can go out there and, and have a casual drink and be fine. Or half a drink. And I can do that enough. for like a week, maybe. But I can't. I can't justify taking that that chance. It's just no, no. it's not worth it. I always say Believe I don't, me, I tried enough to I don't hate waters. alcohol. I don't hate alcohol. I just respect it. I know it's not for me anymore. No, it's definitely not for me. We're down in the last two minutes. Last two minutes. One hour show. Wow. Beautiful recovery. I'm surprised I could talk that long. You'd no, be I'm surprised. Not. I can get someone going. I'm not I'm not surprised. I talk a lot. But that's okay. This was great. I'm I really draw glad it, you, I'm I really draw it glad out of you. That, you uh, that you asked me to do this. Yeah, no problem. Come back anytime. And I got to try eel. And you get to try the sushi. It was very good. It's part of the whole package. You, you, you know, sushi, I got to get you nice and full and happy and relaxed. I put a candle <laughs> on. And now you, you know, you tell your life story. And it was good. Then everyone who listens to this My says. first podcast ever. There you go. And um, hopefully it won't be your last. But I, hope not. I really appreciate you coming up, taking the time out of your day. And uh, it was wonderful hearing your story. No problem. All right. Thanks a lot for having me. Join us on our next episode of Stuck in the Attic.